Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. It's week 13. It's Colts week. It's also Battle Red week. And lots to get to in our podcast. Of course, we will preview the Colts game with Lyra Overton, who is the Colts team reporter. And we also have our player of the week, Kamu Grugier-Hill, the linebacker. He had an interception against Tennessee. He's currently got seven tackles for loss. Uh, for the season, that's tied for the fifth most in the NFL among inside linebackers. Kamu off to um, a really good start here in his first season as a Houston Texan. So that's all coming up in this week's podcast. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston so you can do more of what you love. Stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi, can your internet do that? All right, let's get right into it. Kama Grugier-Hill, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple of times this year. So in listening to this interview, I thought, wow, I really do uh, mention about uh, the other times I've talked to him. But, I, you know, I just didn't want to be redundant in asking him the same things about playing the linebacker position. So this is a little bit more of a fun interview. We do talk a little bit about his interception and, you know, some football things, but really it's just more about him. He's just so personable. He's got a great personality. I first chatted with him in training camp um, after one of the early practices, and then we did an entire hour with him for the Texans Player Show presented by Fuddruckers with Mark Vandermeer. So uh, we got to know quite a bit about Kamagruja Hill and how he really likes playing in Lovey Smith's defense. He's gets to play at a little bit of a lighter weight. Um, he doesn't have to play so big because that's something that his previous coaches wanted him to play at. And he found that he was more successful and, and it certainly has paid off for him this year. So he's playing at the weight he likes and he's really been making some plays and no one really knew what to expect from Kamu Grugier Hill when he signed here this off season, but he's been a starter for this team at linebacker. And, and Lovey Smith said that he can, he's pretty versatile. He can play all three different linebacker positions. So, I got a chance to catch up with him. He's a lot of fun, and he's got a great personality, so that always makes for a really fun one-on-one interview. So here he is, Kamu Grugier-Hill on the Deep Slant Podcast, presented by Xfinity. Kamu, you started all 10 games that you played in, and you picked up your first interception as a Texan uh, a few weeks ago at Tennessee. How cool was that moment for you, and where is the football right now? It was pretty cool. It's in my bedroom. You got yeah. to keep it. I got to keep it. Yeah, thank God. Because, you know, there's two that I dropped also, so I should have three. So to, to bring that one home was, you know. It's actually kind of just teasing me right now. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the ones that you dropped, but we'll, we'll talk about the actual interception first. You returned it, what, 82 yards? Mm-hmm. And David Coley said he could tell you were a defensive player returning it because an offensive player wouldn't keep – they know someone's chasing them. <laughs> but he said you just kept checking to see if someone was chasing you. And had you not done that, maybe you would have made it a little bit further. What, what are you your know, thoughts on that? Everyone's a critic when they don't have the ball in their hand. So, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see next time. Hopefully I can make up for that. All right, uh, the near interceptions that you've gotten. What What is the mindset? What happens in your brain? You seem so mad at yourself on the field, but, yeah. you know, what? what's – I mean, it's it's still a big play. It's just not the big play you wanted. Yeah. But how – you know, what what's going through your mind when something like that happens on the field? You know, I just think as, uh, as a defense, especially where our team is right now, um, every opportunity we have to take the ball away and, um, you know, just change the possession is, is huge. So uh, to capitalize on those moments, you, um, you kind of need those. I asked Lovey about it. I said, when stuff like that happens, what is your advice? And he actually pointed out the fact that you had a sack in that game. And he said that it's it's really good that you're even in that position to be making that play. And then he talked about just your role on this defense, that you can play all three linebacker positions. How have you enjoyed that? I know we've talked about you joining Lovey's defense, but now as the season has gone on, 
how much are you really getting into that role? Yeah, it's cool. I feel, you know, I'm kind of just like, like the swing guy, you know, uh, anytime they, I don't know, I just feel comfortable at all three positions. Um, you know, if someone goes down or if someone doesn't feel comfortable at a certain position, you know, um, kind of step in and I can be, you know, the move guy if, if another guy doesn't really feel comfortable moving. So it's a, it's a good place to be. All right, so this defense, 10, 10 different players have an interception. That's the most in the NFL. So you guys have a nickname, the Takeaway Train. I don't know who started that nickname. Do you know? I actually don't. I just opened my phone one day and saw that on Instagram. I was like, oh, I like that. Where, but yeah, because I saw that you and, and Jacob Martin were trying to do yeah. like a train celebration. Yeah, and yeah. you're still sort of working through the kinks of coordinating yeah, that. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a little bit. It's a little it'll bit. It'll be a little bit. We're still rolling. Okay, so no no motto, no swag. Nothing for the, yet. No, nothing nothing yet. in the locker room to, to sort of mark who's got nope. interceptions, we're, we're no work, leaderboard. We're working on merch right now, so um, we're going to get that going pretty soon. And uh, no, the, holidays just, are, the holidays are coming. <laughs> Christmas season, you know, get some merch out. I no, think we he, have nothing right now. We need to we need to work on. It. You guys need to get working on that. Uh, you've talked about playing in, in different defenses in the past and how you've been a bigger linebacker, but you like playing for Lovey because he lets you be a little bit lighter and faster. Uh, how uh, how has that been for you so far, especially now as the season's gone on, like staying the weight I that you want to stay? Because well, I've just always struggled gaining weight. Like it's just been a struggle of mine since you know since high school, college, and even now. You know, it's just something for for whatever reason that it's just difficult for. For me to just pack on like a lot of weight to get up to like 235 so to be able to play at like 220 225 is is amazing for me i love it so thanksgiving the holidays you're doesn't not matter. like you're not worried about putting on the extra literally does not matter i could eat as much as i want and really nothing happens, what know? do you eat before games what's your pre-game meal well on like actual game day that's the one time like my diet is like actually super strict i've gone into you ever watch the game changers thing on netflix no i i mean i'm afraid i'll become i'm afraid i'll become vegetarian if i watch it but yeah go ahead i don't fully believe in it but there was one thing that i took out and it's about like your blood and like eating meat throughout like what it does to your blood and stuff so i actually tried it one day and i I did feel better so like on game day like before the the only meal before the game like i just that's the vegan meal i eat okay but you feel energetic? I feel just, yeah, I feel a little more fluid, yeah. So what is that? Is that like, it's beans, it's no dairy? No, it's just, it's, it's just yeah, no dairy, no... Pro- fruits and veggies. Yeah. And then and then the rest of the week, you're, you're, you're just like a one day a week yeah. vegan. Yeah. One meal a week One vegan. meal a week, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny, because then right after the game, I always eat a big steak, so... Uh, sure. <laughs> this is how my brother practices veganism yeah. as well. When he comes to Texas, he's like, uh, I think I want barbecue and Tex-Mex. Yeah. Then the veganism's out the window. Uh, Jacob Martin was mic'd up a few weeks ago, and you guys had a funny moment where, um, I don't know what he did. He, like, pinched the back of your arm or something, and then you said, that's that's a little much there, my guy. So uh, what are you like on the field in between plays? Are you just a little bit more subdued, or no, you, I just, you just don't, don't like people pinching you on the no, sideline? No, I just, I just keep it, I just like to keep it light. You know, I joke with everyone, and um, I just I just try not to keep it too serious, you know, Um Everyone, you know, it's a stressful moment a lot of times. So just trying to keep everything light, keep everyone loose is is, is kind of my, you know, mindset on it. I'm going to put in a request to have you mic'd up for a game because I do feel like I see you talking a lot on the field. There's a lot of celebrating. <laughs> there's a lot. There's of a lot of, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of conversation happening. I think I actually was mic'd up one game, Cardinals game, but, you know, that it wasn't. Oh. Best game for all of maybe us. Let's so maybe let's again. try it again. Defense is rolling. Yeah, the takeaway yeah. train's really rolling let's get now. Another one going. I'm down for that. All right. So you got a lot of friends on this team, and you've got friends back home in Hawaii. And you and I have talked about this, but I actually found this text, or actually it was a piece of paper. It was my receipt at a restaurant. Oh my god. Um. So I have to print it out and show you because I don't think I've shown it to you. But to 
just to recap the story in case you haven't heard it, I was in Kauai having dinner at a restaurant and I got into a conversation with the waiter who asked me if I was a Texans fan living in Texas. And I said, well, yes, I work for the team. And he mentioned how he played high school football with you as another linebacker. Mm -hmm. And I I blacked out his last name, but uh, he wanted me to recount this story to you. I don't think this I is said a, I'm not going to remember. It's this July. This is not a proper story for everyone, but yeah. It says walking out of math class, ninth grade, Mrs. Toyota, <laughs> and he made and I promised him I would ask you about it. So here we are. You, he said you were not the best student, and you just sort of would get up and leave class when you wanted to. So the story behind this one is, yeah, I was definitely not the best student, and it was one of those days. It was like. It was like the the class before like Christmas or like some kind of break. Like, and the teacher said, hey, all we have to do is, is take this test and you guys can leave. Nothing else after. As fast as you take this test, you can leave and it's over. And I was like, I'm the, as type, fast I, as we can. Well, I'm the type of student like, okay, let, let's look at my grade. Like, do I need this test right now? So I look at my grade. I'm like, if I fail this test, I'm still good. So I literally sign my name <laughs> and turn it in. Within, I'm talking... She hands it to me, puts it on my desk. I sign my name, get up, and follow her back to her desk, put it on the desk. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> and she's like, you didn't even try she was baffled. Like, the way she looked at me, she was, like, so baffled, which is, I, yeah, that's why I, try, I tried to warn you. Like, it was not the best story. I was not the best student, but I've, I'm a lot different Listen, I, I, it's math class. If you calculated what your average was going to be with getting a zero on a test. I'm good figured, at math. That's and you it. figured that out, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to take my chances. I've done the math. I'm good. You literally did the math. I'm good. To say I don't need to do the math. Exactly. Do you see the irony in that? It was just You every, could have done the test. Everyone's I think. face was just baffled <laughs> that I just did that. But yeah, that's that's the story. Uh did you do that again in high school? Was that I, a one time occurrence? You know, I don't even want to relive high school. It was, okay. It seems like know, it seems I'm trying like... to inspire the youth now. <laughs> not bring them down with me. Do so. as I say, don't yeah, yeah, do as yeah, I exactly. do. So in, in team meetings and, and stuff, what what are you like now? I, I know you're not walking out of team <laughs> I'm definitely meetings. definitely not walking out of no. team meetings. No. I mean, now we're professional. Do you ask a lot of questions? Are you a pretty vocal guy in meetings? Or you uh, you know, sit I back think I, and chill? I, I, like when the, within the defense, like I'm the type of guy, like I, need, I like to have, throughout the week I like to have, like, okay, I need to know where I'm doing this with the different plays. I want to know specific things. But then on game day, I let it fly. But, like, throughout the week, I kind of, you know, I, I engage a lot and, you know, me, me, whoever I'm with, me, Kirko, me, Zach, um, we're always talking to Lovey or, or Miles, trying to get um, on the same page with a lot of the defense stuff. So. Okay. Well, speaking of your your uh, teammates, you had mentioned to me that you were volleyball state champion. Mm-hmm. You're a big volleyball player. What position were you again? Outside hitter. Outside hitter. Okay. So you said that volleyball did not help you at all in being a linebacker, which I, I feel like maybe deflecting passes or I don't know. I feel like there's got to be some sort of volleyball skill that might help at linebacker. I don't think no, you so. don't think so? Okay. I was just trying here. I was going to ask you if you could pick five other teammates mm-hmm. to be on your volleyball team, mm-hmm. who would they be? I'd have to go Zach just because I need, I need the long arms. That's a good um, one. Who else is really tall? Pharaoh. Okay. I'd go Pharaoh. Then I need some. You're only going to get tall people for this team. What? Well, those are my two, my two blockers. Oh. You know okay. I mean? So there's my blockers. Now I need some athletes. Some some like you know, I don't know. I got I got to have some tryouts or something. I got to see how these guys move with some volleyball. I'm a little shocked that you're not picking more of your linebackers. Like who? Like, like Kirko? <laughs> Kirko at his club right now could maybe you know yeah. have a pretty good spike. He he would he could land a pretty good. <laughs> 
pretty good hit on the ball. You need to have tryouts for your volleyball team. I need team. to have some, yeah. We'll have some beach volleyball tournaments in Hawaii. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, we'll Kaimi, maybe Kaimi. Oh, yeah. Imi, I know actually Imi would be good. Imi could play. His okay. wife his, his wife actually played at uh, my rival high school. They, well, they both went to my they rival high school. They both went to your rival high school. she played like volleyball. Like, okay, so yeah. he doesn't need tryouts. He, he can be tryouts. on your yeah, volleyball he's, team. He's solid. Everyone else, you need to try out for Kamu's team. All right, Kamu, thanks so much for the time. Looking forward to the rest of the season. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Great stuff from Kamu, as always. Now let's switch gears and let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. The last time these two teams faced each other, it was week six, and it did not end well for the Texans. But, you know, a lot of things have changed since week six. Lovey Smith has said the defense has changed a lot. They're not giving up the big plays that they were back then. They've made some changes in the secondary. Uh, Eric Murray's doing a nice job there starting opposite Justin Reed. And on offense, you've got Tyrod Taylor as your starting quarterback. That was Davis Mills on the road. And while Davis Mills did some nice things the week before against the Patriots, he struggled on the road, and the offense as a whole has struggled in recent weeks, even with Taylor in the lineup. But it seems to struggle more in the second half. So that's definitely something that they're going to work on. They've been working on all this week. And I had a chance to catch up with Lara Overton. The Colts have had struggles of their own. They have lost a lot of close games. And Jonathan Taylor, they've got a big weapon in him. But they didn't really use him as much against the Bucks, And so Frank Reich was in the hot seat. We get a chance to chat about that and find out why he was not used as much as he was, and what can we expect for Sunday's game against the Texans? Hint, they will be using him more. So let's get right into Enemy Sideline presented by Microsoft. It's Lara Overton with the Colts, and we chat about this Week 13 game at NRG Stadium. Lara, I got to ask you about this Colts loss to the Bucs, 38-31. to What's the mood like in Indy? Is it more frustration that it was a game that they could have had in hand, or is there some optimism that, the postseason chances are looking pretty good with Tennessee losing two in a row. Well, it's a little bit of both. And unfortunately, this is a feeling that the Colts know all too well. This is not the first time this season that the Colts have had a double-digit lead on a playoff team and let that evaporate. When you look back to a 19-point lead on Monday Night Football in Baltimore against the Ravens, the Ravens were able to come back from, and the Colts were at home hosting the Tennessee Titans in what was a must-win situation, got up 14 nothing and then ultimately lost to Tennessee at Lucas Oil Stadium in that game. And then it happens again, where you build a double-digit lead over the reigning Super Bowl champions, and through just a series of very unfortunate turnovers for the Indianapolis Colts, a really uncharacteristic turn of events for them, because the Colts are a very disciplined team typically. But fact of the matter is, when you're facing Tom Brady, there is so little room for error that he was able to capitalize, you know, those opportunities in which Shaq Barrett gets a strip sack on Carson Wentz. They were able to get points off of that. They were able to come back, you know, capitalize on interceptions in those situations. And, you know, the Colts were not able to close out games. And that has been a point of emphasis really over the course of this season is that this team needs to find ways to finish better against playoff caliber type of teams. We saw them play their best game of the year against Buffalo. They were riding high off of that victory. So there is tons of reason for optimism. And one point for Frank Reich has been this AFC picture is still wide open. No one has taken a stranglehold really on this conference and you know within this wild card picture in particular. You see the way the Tennessee Titans are reeling, thanks a little bit to the Houston Texans helping them to that two-game skid. This is an opportunity where if the Colts are going to position themselves to make a December run, they have to have a sense of urgency about it, and it starts this weekend in Houston. You mentioned the game at Buffalo, and I think we're still all talking about Jonathan Taylor. He probably rushed for another touchdown again. Five- I think he's still running. 
running. Actually, he's I think running. He's right. Five touchdowns, four rushing, one receiving. And everybody sort of was talking about him in that MVP conversation if they weren't already. So he has put up 100 yards rushing in five of the last seven games. I mean, he's only in his second year, but what do you really factor in for the key to his success in that ground game this year? It is his dogged work ethic and then this incredible balance of confidence yet humility that he has. He is an incredibly, not just unique athlete, he's a very unique person in the sense that he exudes a confidence without being arrogant. There is a sense that this team gets when Jonathan Taylor is in the ball game, he gets that ball in his hands. The way he breaks tackles and takes defenders with him on the run is incredibly impressive. He's behind a great offensive line. I mean, when you look at Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, all of the guys who he has working up front, they are certainly to be credited and well so for the opportunities that Jonathan Taylor has had over the course of this season. But Jonathan Taylor went into the 2020 offseason coming off of that 2020 season incredibly committed because he finished so strong on that late half of the season. He was thrust into the starting role when Marlon Mack went down with the Achilles injury, and he had to get up to speed to be the bell cow number one guy very quickly. And he started figuring it out on the back half of the 2020 season. So coming into 2021, Jonathan Taylor knew what he was going to be expected to do, and he welcomed that challenge in terms of being the guy. And, you know, unfortunately, because of the injuries we have seen to backs across the league when you look at the situations that guys are dealing with right now I mean Derek Henry currently on IR you just see Christian McCaffrey lost for the season Dalvin Cook is dealing with injuries so when you look at backs he is certainly you know one of the most reliable dependable backs that you have and he also one of the things that's interesting this is something you know within the AFC South conversation we always hear that Derrick Henry gets better as the game goes on that's a tendency that we've started to see Jonathan Taylor have this season in particular this guy does not get tired we heard Chris Ballard the general manager for the Colts say he thinks he's one of the top five weapons in the league right now and one of the things that's really encouraging to him is just to see the growing confidence that Jonathan Taylor has within this offense and also the situations that they're putting him in. When you think about late in the game against the Bucks, the Colts needed a score. Where do they go? They went straight to the hands of Jonathan Taylor and he got them right back into, you know, that ball game late. Yeah, he didn't rush for as many yards in that Bucks game and he had about as half as many carries as he did in that Bucks loss versus how many carries he had. He, he had 32 carries uh, against the Bills a, a week earlier. How do you explain that as far as his workload? You know, is it a matter of not putting him in as, as hard and for as many carries as you did the week before? Is it a week-to-week sort of a plan? Or do you see Frank Reich sort of bouncing back and just letting him carry the rock for as many times as possible here when they face the Texans? This is a very hot topic around Indianapolis and has been, you know, for the last 48 hours post game in that a lot of people were pointing to why Jonathan didn't get more carries in that game. And if you go back to Frank Reich's Monday press conference, he gave a very lengthy opening statement. And we don't often see this just level of transparency from head coaches where they really open up the book and they explain to you, okay, I know a lot of people are questioning 
why Jonathan didn't see more touches over the course of that game, especially, you know, second quarter on. Okay, here's why. Here was a situation what we were dealing with. And he went through a full explanation. A lot of those were RPO situations. And what they were doing is taking what the defense gave them. Be mindful. The Bucs are one of the top run defenses in the entire NFL. They have massive playmakers up front. They got Vita Vea back in this game. You saw the disruption he was able to have up front. So this was a defense that was out to prove we are not letting happen to us what we saw happen to the Buffalo Bills defense one week ago. They had a great scheme for it. And one thing that Frank Gray explained was that they had a lot of loaded boxes. They were really prepared to stop the run. They knew that the Colts were going to try to do that. So the Colts were forced to go to more of a passing offense. And one of the explanations that Frank Wright gave is, I really wish I would have passed it a little bit sooner because they were very productive in the first half. Carson Wentz had three touchdown passes in the first half. That's the first time he's done that since 2017. Ashton Doolin, T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle all got in the end zone in the first half. So they were seeing production in that regard. It really is such a credit to Tampa Bay and their outstanding defense. Let's not forget what that defense did in the Super Bowl one year ago, what they're capable of doing. So what the Colts have to do, two things. They have to find ways to win in multiple ways. They have to be able to pass the ball and be productive in the passing game when they don't have Jonathan Taylor. And then they also have to do a better job of closing out games when they are able to build leads. They've got to do a better job of sustaining leads, holding on to second half leads when they are able to build those up. And a lot of that comes down to maturity and experience. And we're starting to see this Indianapolis Colts team be a team that is on the upward trajectory. I think Carson Wentz is going to play his best football in December. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Carson Wentz because the last time these two teams faced off, he was still sort of dealing with the the double ankle sprain. And it looks like that's just a far distant memory for him. His mobility looks better. He looks better overall. What about his chemistry with the receivers? Um, it's hard to believe that, you know, the, the, the Colts have had different uh, starting quarterback every single year for the past several years. But how has his chemistry come along here through this many games here now heading into the final stretch of the season? I think the chemistry was well well illustrated in this game against Tampa Bay early on when you saw the targets to the two most veteran guys in your locker room in Jack Doyle and T.Y. Hilton. If you can believe it, I know this is probably something that Texans fans don't really want to be reminded of, but it was the first time that T.Y. Hilton got in the end zone all year because he's dealt with all of the injuries coming back from the neck surgery, which cost him, you know, the early part of this season. So T.Y. Hilton seems to be coming into, you know, vintage T.Y. Hilton form when you saw him on that touchdown against Tampa Bay. So you saw him clicking with the two most veteran guys on the roster. When plays needed to be made, he went to, you know, the 10-year a nine-year veteran in T.Y. and in Jack, and then also, you know, had an incredible touchdown to Ashton Doolin, and Ashton Doolin is a guy, you know, who was undrafted, kind of overlooked in a lot of situations, made the roster in Indianapolis because of his impact on special teams, and I mean, he had a, a remarkable explosive play from Carson Wentz in that game. We are starting to see Carson gain a lot of confidence, not only in how he's clicking with his receivers, but also in the opportunities when he's been able to gain ground with his feet we saw him in buffalo take off and run on third down and get an 18 yard gain and i asked ty hilton about this and he said that that just brings this mentality of physicality to the offense when you see him willing to kind of take those risks and sacrifice himself he said when, when quoting ty when you see deuce take off it fires everybody up when you see that from your quarterback and one of the things that ty told me was i think what he was most proud of 
uh, Carson wasn't so much the, the yardage he was able to gain, but the fact that he actually slid uh, on that play and was able to be smart when he went down. And we are seeing, we've seen really over the course of the season, a budding chemistry in particular with Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman Jr. A lot of the attention from the 2020 draft class certainly goes to Jonathan Taylor. Michael Pittman Jr. has deserved a lot of that. He was one of the most productive wide receivers in the league on third down. The Bucks completely shut that down um, on Sunday. They knew those key playmakers who they were going to be targeting. But in most situations, we have seen Carson have a ton of confidence, especially in third down situations. In Michael Pittman's ability to win the 50-50 ball, when you go back to the Sunday night football win in San Francisco, that was one of the more impressive things to me was how frequently Carson targeted Michael Pittman Jr. in those times of situations. And not only when Pittman was able to make the grabs in critical situations, but also the way he was able to really frustrate defenders and draw some pivotal DPI calls as well that gave, that gave the Colts valuable yardage in those situations. So I think that to me seeing really Michael Pittman's emergence over the course of this season is indicative of how Carson is starting to bring out the best in the guys who are surrounding him in these weapons he has in offense. All right, well, let's switch gears and talk defense. Darius Leonard through 12 games has 10 forced turnovers. What can you say about him? I know he's the team captain, but how impressed with him are you on his ability to get to the ball and, and why do you think he's been so successful in getting those takeaways this year? Well, DP, when we talk about earlier, you mentioned Carson Wentz was hampered with those two ankle sprains. Darius Leonard is dealing with a severe ankle sprain. He had surgery in the offseason back in June, and it doesn't really seem that he has ever felt fully healthy. I'm not sure he has played a single game in which he has been able to completely rely on that angle that he is battling through right now. So to me, that amplifies the impressiveness of the takeaways, the disruption that we have seen from Darius Leonard. It's what you've come to expect from a guy who is fittingly known as the maniac. But what he is able to do is put this defense on his shoulders and carry them in situations where you need those type of takeaways made. I mean, certainly you look to, I think the pillars of this defense, not only do you look at, at Darius DeForest Buckner as one of those, Kenny Moore is another. Those are kind of the, the three people who you really think to be the biggest leaders uh, within that defense. I'd put Zaire Franklin in that conversation as well. So to me, Darius is such a competitor that he has not let everything that has kind of been nagging him over the course of this season hold him back from the type of production that he expects to have of himself. He holds himself to a very high standard. This is a defense that was pretty bold in training camp. They said, we want 40 takeaways this year. 40 plus takeaways was the goal that they put out there. And they knew that was going to have to be a by committee effort in, in order to do that. Yeah, you were going to need your big guys like a Darius Leonard to certainly lead that charge. But we have seen more guys step up. We saw Isaiah Rogers step up with a big interception last week. And one of the, when you think about Darius's playmaking ability, a lot of people turn to the punch outs, you know, which, which he has called the maniac knockout is what he has coined it to be similar to a peanut punch as we you know, know from peanut Tillman and his days in the Chicago bears. But when I talked to Darius about his ability to punch the ball out, his ability to strip the ball away from ball carriers, he said that this is more mental than anything. A lot of people think that it is physical ability or skill. He studies film of every single person that touches the ball on the opposing offense. He looks at how they carry, what their tendencies are, what their fumble history is. He spends an immense about amount of time 
studying these factors in order to create the opportunities. And we saw one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in which Darius was able to do exactly that. So this is something that Darius really prides himself on, not solely for his production numbers, but knowing what this defense wants to do and continue that streak of takeaway opportunities that they have going back to the end of the 2020 season. The thing is, when you have the defense that's creating those opportunities, you also have to be opportunistic on the offensive side of the ball and continue to capitalize on those. Yeah, the peanut punch, we're familiar with it. Levy Smith uh, bringing that down here to Houston from his days in Chicago coaching Peanut Tillman. All right, Lara, before I let you go, i got to ask you about Hard Knocks. We saw that announcement come down. It's the first time Hard Knocks is filming in season, which is super exciting for fans. I don't know if it's super exciting for the teams because that seems quite invasive to have all those camera crews in the locker room in the middle of the season. And oh, by the way, I'm sure coaches don't really love uh, to have all the, the cameras and the crew around them while they're trying to game plan. But what's that experience been like? You guys are the first to try it out. It has been so interesting and it's exciting. <laughs> interesting. It's, really exciting. Uh-huh. It's, it's definitely been interesting. Uh, basically because you think about, you know, the dynamic of you have your in-house production. I mean, like you guys do, you guys do a fantastic job with your own docu-series and all of the the internal content that you guys are are putting out there so we have a lot of collaboration of course between nfl films and what we're gathering and what they're gathering so it has been a, a fantastic process from that regard and when frank reich was asked about the colts being you know put on this this platform and having this spotlight of hard knocks he said you know they've been approached about hard knocks in the past doing this and he said he felt like that this was a point where when he was approached by colts owner jim ursay and general manager chris ballard he felt like that there was the maturity within the locker room that you need to be able to handle this. He thought it was an exciting opportunity to spotlight his guys, not only in terms of the players they are, but more so who they are off the field, all the work that they do within this central Indiana community, spotlight on who they are, you know, as family guys, as fathers, as husbands. And, you know, for Indianapolis to long be regarded as one of the, and I hate this phrase, but quote unquote, smaller market teams, this is a huge opportunity for the rest of not just the league, because I think that the league is well aware of the Indianapolis Colts, but, you know, for casual football fans to learn a bit more about the organization and about these guys. And, you know, Coach Reich has an incredible story from his Buffalo playing days. I mean, his, his, you know, long tenured career as a backup in Buffalo, the success he had leading the greatest comeback in NFL history, and then translating that over to being a head coach and getting the opportunity with the Indianapolis Colts and bringing in Carson Wentz. There are some very interesting storylines and dynamics uh, that there are. And I mean, what a season for them to come in with the way that this whole season started out, you know, going down 0-3, fighting their way back, beating Buffalo, and now having you know, this climb, which is, you know, the famous mantra of Frank Reich, you know, climbing the mountain is how he sees and illustrates the season. Now you're trying to see this through the month of December. It's going to be really interesting to see the stories that they tell that complement what this team is battling on the field and kind of how they're all giving this uh, some additional flavor from outside with the different perspectives that they're able to to show. And it's fun. It, It really, one of the things that I've loved is being in the meeting rooms, hearing some of those conversations that are happening, because, you know, we know what game days are. We know what the locker rooms are like. We're not necessarily from a in-house production or from being team reporters. That's not showing us anything much different than what we have come to expect. 
But when you really get that valuable insight, when you hear Scotty Montgomery talking to Chris Ballard, Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, Ian Ballard are talking about the production of Jonathan Taylor, Brian Baker, the defensive line coach is talking about the task that they have, or, you know, Bubba Ventrone is famously roasting guys on, on special teams. Uh, he, he had a guy who was on kick return who ended up like taking a tumble. And it's fun because you get to see a lot of what these guys love about the game aside from playing games together, aside from the time that they're on the field, you see how much of the camaraderie that is built outside that in terms of meeting rooms, in terms of just being around one another and then being out and doing a lot of work within the community. Yeah, I think that's one of the things I loved most when Hard Knocks was here, just seeing those conversations, the normal everyday work conversations that we're not privy to. We see the players and everybody when they're in front of the media, but behind closed doors, coaches, uh, the front office, what they're talking about, thats it's always fascinating. It's even more fascinating that it's in season. So some great storylines for Hard Knocks, some great storylines heading into Sunday's game. Lara, appreciate the time as always and looking forward to the game. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks for having me. All right, kickoff is at noon. It's on CBS. It's on Sports Radio 610. Catch the pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon on your Texans app. Just you can download that. You'll get the notifications. It's also on Facebook and uh, it's on the website. So check it out everywhere. And if you want to go back and watch previous shows, they're on YouTube. So you can always do that as well. Once the game has begun, if you want to catch up with uh, the inactives, starting lineups, we give you all of it in the pregame show. So whatever breaking news there is, we've got it for you. Drew Doherty and I bring you the show from the 500 level, the deck. We show you a live look at the field as the players are warming up and any starting lineup changes that we foresee. Plus, we answer your fan questions. So uh, it should be a good game. Lance McCullers is the home field advantage captain. He'll be running out of the tunnel and should be a fun one here at NRG Stadium on Sunday. Hope you can catch the game with us, the pregame show with us as well. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast, the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.